Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time to clap your paws, stomp your hooves, and ruffle your feathers. Wayne, thank goodness you're all right. Is everything okay? Honey, I shrunk the audience. So when you hear the words, go for launch, you'll definitely want to hang out. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, WDW Radio will be right back after these messages. WDW Radio, your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 333 for the week of August 18th, 2013. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you some Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, my videos, blog, live broadcasts, special events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, CDs, and more. You can find it all over at www.radio.com. Week's podcast is brought to you by audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash wdwradio. There's more than 100,000 titles to choose from, including many Disney books. I'm currently listening to How to Be Like Walt, capturing the Disney magic every day of your life, so you can follow along with me and we can discuss and review it on the WDW Radio blog. Again, you can sign up for free, cancel anytime at audibletrial.com slash wdwradio. So this week, I invite you to join us for our roundtable discussion and review of last weekend's Disney's D23 Expo. We're going to go through all the pavilions, exhibits, presentations, concerts, and events, and talk about some of the highlights, memorable moments, and much more. We're also going to talk about our personal experiences, the WDW Radio booth, our live broadcast of the entire event and the special guests, and what we took away from the expo as a whole. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned at the end of the show. I'll have some updates and announcements and more of your voicemails. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. From August 9th through the 11th, 2013, thousands of Disney fans from around the world descended on the Anaheim Convention Center to be part of the third Disney D23 Expo. And enthusiasts whose interests ranged from everything from the Disney parks to Imagineering to TV shows and movies, collecting, fashion, everything in between, came together as a community to celebrate all things Disney. And one of the most important parts Maybe that we came together in an environment that could be found nowhere else. And it was heralded as the ultimate Disney fan experience. And for those three days over that weekend, Disney fans were treated to the fun and the wonder and the adventure as the past and the present, and maybe even a little glimpse into the future, were all shared by Disney with their most devoted fans. And there was so much to see and so much to do, even beyond what you found inside the guidebook, because there was so much Disney magic being created by the attendees themselves. And I think since my experience was so very different than everybody else's, I think it would be great to have uh, other people come on to share how they experienced and 
enjoyed the expo and share their perspectives in the discussion as well. So this week, I want to sort of join some friends around the virtual roundtable to talk about our expo experiences, what we liked, maybe what we didn't like, maybe what the future may hold. So I want to welcome to the virtual roundtable, Christy Visaki. Hello there. Mr. Tony Caggiano. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, Scott Otis from Otisburg. Greetings, everyone. Susanna Mitchell from Xanaland and Xanacam.com. Hi, everyone. And my partner in all the, some of the fun and festivities, in the booth, Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Hey, everyone. Great to be here. And I want to, I wish I could sort of bring in people who were there on the floor as well, too, and, you know, give thanks and bring some people who were able to be part of the show and the expo experience because we were so, to a certain degree, confined, and I mean that in a good way, to the booth, right? And so I first want to give thanks to everybody who watched our live broadcast at D23 Expo Live all three days of the expo. The idea was we wanted to bring as much of the expo to you as possible, and hopefully that would incentivize you to come next time. And for me, I know that was a a big part and one of the most exciting parts, and we'll sort of get to that as well, too. But I, I want to sort of talk about with you guys the expo in general, because I I think everybody here for the most part has attended at least one, if not all three of the expos. There was a lot of speculation going into this one in 2013, right? Because I think the, the standard and the level of expectation was set so high at the first expo in 2009, and I'm not sure if it was maybe met in 2011 because there were, there were no sort of earth-shattering announcements or, or major celebrity surprises. So I want to go around the table and ask you, before we talk about the expo itself, what was your sort of expectation level going in, right? Did Disney do anything to tease or excite you specifically for the 2013 expo? We'll go ladies first, Christy, and then Susanna, and then Scott, and Becky, and then Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I was very intrigued by all of the optimist talk in advance of the expo and was trying to follow the, the blog and all of what was going on. Um, and sadly, I didn't get to experience any of that directly, but heard a lot about that. And that sounds like a, a great experience and something that I'm hoping we might hear and see more kinds of experiences like that for Disney fans, either in the parks or at other events like that. So I felt that was a very effective means of getting people interested in the expo experience. What about you, Susanna? Um, I think this year, where we knew sort of ahead of time that there weren't going to be any huge announcements, but I think they did a great job of sort of um, incorporating all the different areas or brands, if you will, of Disney, all the different arms into the whole expo. So like Christy was saying with the optimist, I mean, that was on the show floor. It was before you even got to the expo. It was in the Imagineering, um, little open house thing, you know, and then you could have done a scavenger hunt over in the park. And then it was in the live action, um, studios presentation as, you know, the preview for the Tomorrowland movie. So that's just one example of um, the things that were spread all over the the whole expo rather than, you know, some major announcement. It was sort of like the expo as a whole um, gave you a little taste of everything. And I liked that it was more, um, I think, just geared for, the you know, not the hardcore fans, but the fans that were into a bunch of different things rather than those looking just for the news and, the you know, huge new announcements. Scott, what about you? 
Um, I think for me, I was looking forward most to like the the live action films and the animated films uh, presentations that they had in the arena, as well as uh, you know the the Parks and Resorts exhibit done by Imagineering is always a knockout. So I was really looking forward to that. Becky, what what about for you? Was there something ahead? Now, obviously, knowing that we were going to be spending a lot of time in the booth, was there right. still something that was on the schedule or in the book or that you heard about that really sort of intrigued you? Yeah, I was really actually looking forward to two things. The, the first one being how um, some of these rumors of all the next-gen stuff coming in, so the Optimist and other things that we actually got to see in person, up close and personal. But I was also... While I was um, hoping for some big announcement, but we knew better than that, I was also looking forward to see how they were going to officially welcome Marvel and Star Wars acquisitions into the whole family as well, and then into the family of brands, uh, to see how they could do that and still kind of keep it separate from, say, what they were doing with those same brands at Comic-Con. So that was kind of what I was interested in seeing. And Tony, that's interesting, sort of bringing those brands into the family. Tony, what about for you? Going into it, the thing I was, a couple of things I was looking forward to. Always looking forward to see what the Imagineers are working on. Um, they, everything new, even if it's not a major announcement as to something coming to the parks, it's always great to look behind the scenes and see what the new tech they're working on is. Um, the announcement about the Sherman Mencken concert. I was really excited to look into that. And as someone who was at the last expo, I was anxious, if not excited, to see how they managed the expo as a whole this time, because they said there were a lot of improvements to how they were going to run things to ease lines. And basically, like we always talk about, maybe doing uh, doing less, but doing it better kind of stuff. So I was really anxious to see how the actual logistics of the expo went. It's interesting how we all sort of came into it with different perspectives, but I want to touch on something that a few of you mentioned, because I think D23 did a good job of sort of getting us ready for, and maybe setting those expectations before the expo started, right? Because like our vacations, they started the expo experience early with things like the Disneyland off the mat uh, map contest, the fan art contest, the release of the expo app, which I thought was, did you guys, anybody download the app? And more importantly, did you guys use it? When you were on the show floor? Yeah, I, I downloaded it and used it. It was definitely easier to uh, to manage my schedule using that. It was very innovative. I yes, I did too. People, yeah, coming into the booth, you know, looking at it and saying, oh, well, let me check what's coming up next. You know, people who are coming in and out to just sort of visit. Um, that seemed to be the source, not the book. Right. Yeah. What I would yeah. Talk to, that it would pop up if things were... Um, full, like the little stage passes were gone or anything like that, or they'd tell you when things were happening on the show floor. It was really good. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. love I love the guidebook. I think it's actually a very well-done guidebook in the way they have it broken down, but you don't sort of have that that access and being able to sort of schedule things out like you do in the app. And, and it was very interactive, too. It was very interactive. It was more to it than just throwing the schedule up in front of you. Yeah, I, I enjoy the guidebook because I'm a book nerd and I love having it in my hands and looking through it. There's something a lot of fun about that. But as a tool, I think that we we referred to the app constantly, even when we were wondering, like, where are we going to take the box? What logistics for our own running our own event while we were there? Uh, I looked at it every every half hour, practically checking up on seeing what's the next move, what we could be looking to. Yeah, and so I, I think about that that first day. And obviously we got in early because we were setting up and we saw it 
you know, the, the, the show floor when it was almost a, a pretty bare convention center. So almost to a certain degree, uh, Scott and Susanna first, because I think you guys came in from a different perspective. And then obviously those of us who are in the booth, I want to hear you guys too. Let's talk about what that day one was like, right? Let's talk about that, that energy, that excitement was like, both for yourself or what you saw from and heard from other people as well. And then what was it like when you came onto that expo floor, which you know, was somewhat overwhelming in a good way. There was so much going on. There was so much sensory overload. Were you drawn to any one thing? Scott and Susanna first, and then everybody else, feel free to chime in. Um, yeah, I was definitely overwhelmed. And I think because of how many great presentations there were this year, I, like, avoided the schedule until I got there because I was like, I can't even think about which ones I really want to see and which ones I'm going to have to miss and things like that. So I was kind of overwhelmed and worried that I was going to miss out on um, some really cool things. But the expo, the show floor itself was really just full of so many things that I almost wanted. And by the end of the expo, I was like, you know, I'd rather just skip that presentation and hang out on the floor and see the, you know, Imagineering Pavilion again and um, just walk around to all the different booths and everything. So um, I'm trying to, I can't even remember the first day now. It's been so long, <laughs> like two weeks away. Um, but it was six days ago, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it ended up being, it all worked out and, uh, you know, I wasn't overwhelmed for long because there was just always something to do. And it was always something I was happy that I ended up doing. So just a quick question. When you first walked in, did you go right to a line for a presentation or the arena or did you go to experience the floor first? Because it seemed to be sort of that, you know, it's it was the, the, the race to space or the dash to splash. Everybody sort of split up one way or the other. A lot of people went right to the arena to start getting online or start getting their stage passes and other people wanted to go into seeing the pavilions themselves. Well, to be honest, I actually went straight for booth number 413 <laughs> and, and travel and WDW radio booth. Uh, that's because you needed to borrow cash, but that's okay. We understand. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, we did, I guess that was the animation thing mm -hmm. the first day. So, yeah, we definitely wanted to see um, the two studios presentations the first and second day. So, and we yeah. were able to get into them. Yeah, so. when I first went on the floor, you know, you go through the little door and just on the other side, there's all these massive booths all trying to draw your attention with all of their, you know, their gadgets and their uh, video screens, its it really was overwhelming. I was walking around the show floor in a daze, not knowing which way to go. You know, I wanted to go that way. And then the, then there was the Imagineering exhibit that way. But And then they had the animation exhibit over that way. And But I, I had to get in, in the line for the animation um, uh, arena event. But, yeah, it, it's incredibly overwhelming how much there was there. Now, I know Christy, Tony, Becky... You know, our primary focus was obviously uh, the booth. But again, sort of your thoughts in terms of that show floor, that first, you know, we were very much, you know, quote unquote, in the trenches in terms of being out there before people came in. That level of excitement that you felt either from yourself or other people and what that that first day of the show floor was like. For me, it was really amazing because we got in there a couple of days before the doors opened and to see it come together slowly but surely. But as they were making the announcements that the public doors were going to be opening in 10 minutes, all of a sudden, 
the noise and the lights and all the booths trying to turn on every noisemaker they possibly had to draw your attention, as, as you had said, Scott, um, it, it felt like the very first time I stood on the Las Vegas Strip with all the lights and the noise and, and the chaos and the crazy. It was really exciting to see everything come to life after watching it be wheeled in in various anvil cases over the, the prior days. Yeah, I think after being in the booth, um, for what, 20 hours before I arrived on Wednesday and came straight over there. So we had Becky and Lou had put in more time, but after whatever it was, 20 hours getting the booth ready and seeing the, the floor come together, everything's happening out there, but it's a whole different vibe. It's like you come in the next morning and all those red carpets just appear and it goes from being a big warehouse full of stuff to alive. And like Becky said, they announced that it's coming and 10 minutes before it comes in, before everyone's coming in, it just comes to life. And you're, we were standing there by the outside the doors going to get ready for to see people come in. And as we're walking towards it, you could hear it's just a hum coming up behind you of musicians start to play on the stage and all of the interactive pavilions are coming to life with sound. It was really it was pretty cool to see it come up like that from a bare cement floor up to alive. Yeah, not to mention seeing the lineup of people that started at, what, like 4.30 in the morning out for the first day and then seeing them all come in with the, the, those excited faces because they could hear on what was going on the floor and that you could see that they could hardly wait to, to grab the credential and get in, in, those, um, in the doors. Well, I, I yeah. want to just touch on that real quick because, and again, Scott and Susanna, you might be able to, to speak to this more. I, I think the reason why there was the line starting very, very early in the morning the night before, the rush to get to the arena, the change of the layout, right? The collector's form was moved. The whole show floor was laid out differently because of the expansion of the queues. Look, Disney obviously realized what needed to be changed and tweaked and very much improved upon from the last expo because the biggest complaint was lines, right? That was the, uh, the operative word. That's what people were walking away with was, I stood on line, I didn't get in. I didn't know where to go. I, there was too many conflicts. So... I think they really much, they seem to address that this year with things like Stage Pass, which is sort of a, a, a fast pass. Can you guys maybe speak to the line situation this year? Again, Sorcerers obviously had their own you know, special access, but if you were just somebody who, were, who was on the floor and wanted to see some of those big presentations in the, you know, for the studios and the legends and stuff like that, how did the lines work and was it an improvement over past expos? I think this definitely was an improvement over the last expo. Uh, there, there still were incredible lines, uh, at least for the the major arena presentations, the animation, live action, and also the uh, Mencken and Sherman concert. But they did have a giant overflow room for the uh, for all of the arena presentations, so that anybody who couldn't get into the arena presentation would see it on a on a giant screen. And they also, I, I believe, uh, the stage twenty three up on the third floor. They doubled the size of that, and it was a massive room. We had seen that for the uh, the Tony Baxter presentation. So uh, a lot of the major uh, smaller presentations were up there, and so they were able to accommodate a good many people up there. Although I did hear like for the like the Broadway uh, performance on the first night that there were people lined up for that, and and a lot couldn't get in. I, that's not that's at least what I heard. But but I still think that you know with Stage Pass. With the overflow rooms and the and the doubling of the size of that one room, that it was an improvement over last year. Right, and there, there, look, there's nothing you could do about it. You know, if you if you want to see something 
like those presentations, you are going to go and have to stand online. And we talked yep. about that, you know, in the past as people who were preparing for Expo, again, level of expectation, you know, and I think Disney also did a good job of letting you know, hey, if you want to see these things, this is what you're going to need to do. They also had sort of like a cue board up above the, the queue itself, letting you know almost like a wait time board for when you could start lining up and getting stage passes for some of the things that were coming up later in the day, which I think was really, really helpful to people who may have been confused and or overwhelmed. Yeah, I think the improvements there were huge compared to just last year you would walk into some of these, not necessarily the arena because you could see the line, but you'd walk into some of the events upstairs, the presentations, and you just felt like you had no idea. You would sit in line. You don't know if you're getting in, if you're not getting in. Um, you were just walking in blind. At least this time, you you knew when you could go up and get your fast, your stage passes, they called them, which is for people who weren't there. It was basically a fast pass for the events to get you in line so you didn't have to stand in line the whole time. But um, I thought they did a much better job with that. I think going into these events, if you think you're going to go there and there's not going to be any lines, you're really just kidding yourself. Um, there's a lot of people and a lot of people are excited to see these major events. And there's only so many, no matter how big the room is, there's still only going to be so many spots. But for the events that I was able, the presentations that I was able to go to, I thought that it was much better than last year, night and day almost. Or to add to that, Tony, last year you didn't even know, you just saw a line and you would think, should I get in this line? <laughs> Where is yeah. this line going? What does this line belong to? And and people were just getting in lines figuring that, well, I'm going to get into something if I just at least get into a line. So I didn't see that happening this year. So it, it is kind of a, a hat tip to um, their new process seems to have at least had an impact. Yeah, yes, I did definitely. not hear any complaints. Like, I did not hear people saying, oh, my God, I stood online for two hours and I couldn't get in. I didn't hear. The only complaint I heard, and it's a good problem to have, is I didn't get to see everything I wanted to because the time's conflicted. Because I couldn't get from from A to B in time because I wanted to see Tony Baxter. I wanted to go see Marty Sklar. I wanted to go see this. So that was a good problem, I think, to have as opposed to I waited online and I didn't get in. Right. Yeah, I think the I only... Think uh, the only negative thing that I, I ran into at all was uh, for some of the arena presentations and one that I actually tried to line up for as well, the, the folks on the floor, it seemed like they had so much great information with the stage pass. When it came to the events or the presentations that didn't have stage pass, the, um, the staff members on the floor had conflicting information about when you could line up or not. So it's almost if they could implement that same type of, of process onto the arena events as well, then they might you know, even get farther into uh, in, to making happy guests. I know for me, especially going and knowing from past experience that I wasn't going to be able to see most pro most likely any or all the arena presentations except for the stuff at night. I was really focused on the show floor and the pavilions. And getting to go in there early, I felt like I was a kid peeking behind the stage at the candy store before it opened up because Disney had, I think it was about 13 different pavilions. They had the Treasures of the Archives, Animation Studios, Disney Toon Studios, in-home entertainment, parks and resorts, the Disney Desk, Disney Vacation Club, Investor Relations, which I thought was interesting, Disney Citizenship, ABC Studios, Disney Channel, and Disney Consumer Products. And that, for me, is one of the big thrills of the expo. And getting to walk through that first day and even a little bit beforehand and seeing the Marvel presence, right? The Star Wars presence, the big Darth Vader, the consumer product stuff, the interactive game things. I mean, I was really, really excited to, you know, wander 
at a very fast pace the show floor. And that, for me, the pavilions has always been uh, even more so than some of the presentations, the big draw for me. Can you guys sort of talk and maybe, I know, Christy, you had a chance to walk around a little bit and wander too. Give me some, some of your thoughts on the pavilions themselves. Well, they were an entire day's experience all unto themselves. I, I, I felt like I didn't get to see any of them thoroughly enough, and that was really all I was trying to get to see. Um, I, they were very well organized, well spaced out, and almost any time that I did go by, there were even lines for them, and they had queued up. They knew that there would be lines to see the Tinkerbell presentation and to play the game or to be able to meet a, a character artist who was drawing Tinkerbells. And they had a great area where you could learn how to draw different characters with Disney animators. Um, it was just... It was like walking into a Disney theme park um, and, you know, sort of that excitement of which where do I go first and what experience do I want to be able to enjoy? Um, I was very impressed at at how um, I guess the incredible level of detail that went into all of these. These weren't just little booths. These were full out experiences, um, each one of them. Yeah, and I think we'll, you know, I want there's one of them I want to talk about more specifically. But any of you guys, uh, other two, and and we'll let's save the Parks and Resorts Pavilion for last. But in terms of the other pavilions, uh, give us some of your thoughts, uh, Tony, and then maybe uh, Scott and Susanna and, and Becky. Uh, some of the other pavilions, things that that stuck out to you that maybe impressed you, surprised you, whatever it may be. I was really excited uh, for the big unveil behind the blue curtain uh, um, for the Tomorrowland Pavilion that they had. It was, I thought it was cool. It was almost like an interactive experience, like a game as much as it was a pavilion about the movie. So I was really excited to see that. And I did it. I think it was pretty cool how they didn't announce it on the first day. They left it and it kept people wondering. For me, that was a lot of fun. And then just the walking around the pavilions, I was really excited to see the... There was a lot of tech in the pavilions this year. There was a lot of uh, interactive game pavilions, the video game stuff. So to see all of that and get a chance to play with that was like bringing out the kid in me. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I also like that the Tomorrowland uh, exhibit that they had, which was uh, incorporated into that movie Tomorrowland that's coming up. Um, I, I do think a problem is that when they – unveiled that blue curtain you know there were really only one and a half days to explore that and so their lines were crazy for that because they would give you an ipad and you'd go through all these exhibits to discover all of these lost things that they had found and maybe they should have done that on the first day so there would have been an extra day for people to have seen that uh but anyway that that was very impressive and also the um the disney infinity uh present uh booth was pretty neat they were showing off that that new game that they have and also the animation they they had lots of uh giveaways that people were all crazy for and and even just the dream store and the 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 um, mickeys of glendale stores that people were just clamoring to get all the merchandise for those were those were fun too yeah, and if anybody didn't make it out to the Disney Infinity booth, I'm sure they can go to Scott, Susanna's, mine, Christie's, or Tony's house and experience them all right there because <laughs> it came out yesterday. That's and it. we all know what, we, what what our kids or we have been doing ever since. So, yep. Yeah, like instantly obsessed with Disney Infinity. Yep. Yeah, Skylander who? Um, <laughs> uh, very quickly, I want to just touch, and, and, uh, and I want to give you guys a chance to, to, to tell me your thoughts, but you mentioned the Tomorrowland booth. 
And I thought, and this is what I really, really like what Disney has been doing as a whole. And we'll talk more about this, you know, from a, a 30,000 foot perspective at one point. But the Tomorrowland Pavilion at the expo ties into this very sort of cryptic, lost style tease of this Tomorrowland film, right? The way they're sort of releasing information about it. They have this very interesting online alternate reality experience and i don't even know how to you know nobody who's even involved in the optimist knows how to explain what it is you know there's this twitter account and this blog to follow and photos that are getting released in the collector's forum there was a cartography by disney little booth where you could go and meet wallace and it all is very very you know the deepest layer of the onion for the geeks that really want to dig it and i love that you know because it wasn't just Here's some information, go through, you know, we're laying it on with a trowel. You sort of have to work for it if you want it, and it's a mystery for you to unravel, and it really is a great tease for the film and the online experience. And the fact that they brought it into, you know, onto the show floor and into sort of, a, you know, a, a real reality from the alternate reality, I think is really, really smart on Disney's part. And if, if anything, it got people curious and it got people talking about something that maybe they hadn't been aware of before. But that curtain yeah. drops, you see that big Tomorrowland booth, and they're giving you an iPad, and they're walking you through, and there's all these mystery things. It's very, very intriguing, even for sort of the top-layer Disney fan. Scott, I know you were going to say something about... Because you've been sort of following the whole Wallace Optimus thing, right? Susanna and I, actually, we, we uh, did all of that. Uh, but I, Susanna was going to describe that. <laughs> well, I had been following along the Optimist blog, I guess the Story Orbit blog beforehand. Um, but yeah, I agree with you completely that there's so many different levels of involvement. You could have been following along this whole sort of, you know, third party story where this fictional girl's grandfather, she was trying to find out information on him. And then this Wallace cartographer came into the picture. And, you know, people out in California could go to actual sites like Walt's Barn and Disneyland and things like that to find more clues. And then it all culminated at the expo with his booth. Um, and then he handed out the map to go on another little scavenger hunt. But then, you know, it combined with the Tomorrowland uh, little booth there and the, the preview and the studios thing. So if you didn't want to do all of that scavenger hunt, you didn't want to really get involved that much in all this mystery, you could just follow through the little thing with the iPad and learn more about you know, the mysterious box that they found and things like that. So you didn't have to be super nerdy, um, but you could be if you wanted to be. And I just loved that level of, you know, interactivity in the detail that they went through. Like, cause we did the little thing where you had to go over to Disneyland and the cast members that they had helping you out and things like that were just unbelievable. You would think that, you know, they were really part of, you know, the experience where they were actually just cast members. So it was amazing. Yeah. I, and I, I was that's what, sorry, I was going to say, that's what I loved so much about it because honestly, I hadn't heard a lot about it, this before Expo. And to see it kind of um, virally grow uh, its own limbs and its own life right in front of me as things were being unveiled and people uh, coming past the booth with neat little pins that I had never seen before. And, and I would point it out and say, where did you get that? And they would start telling me about the, the quest that they had to go on and the person they had to meet in Disneyland started drawing me in to where I wanted to find out more and I wanted to get more involved. So it was very intriguing. Yeah, they actually had 
parts of the game where you would have to ride the lily bell around uh, Disneyland, and they even had it so that they, they closed off the Main Street Cinema, and they even changed the films in there uh, with with very intriguing animation about Walt and futurism and optimism and and basically the whole World's Fair exhibit, and that is where the pins were presented. It was really a very dramatic uh, presentation they had in there. So that's what I mean. This is so very well thought out, and it covers not just, you know, the studios is not just pushing this out. This is going, you know, into the parks and resorts. It's going onto the show floor. The fact that the Wallace booth was in the collector's forum was, I think, a very interesting and smart, very deliberate choice. So it did not look as though it's a PR thing, right? It's a marketing thing. And it, it almost looked as though it was very organic, right? And he was just a guy right. sort of having his booth there. Yeah. He was perfectly in character. And, you know, it was like you were meeting this man that was into making Disney maps and he wanted, you know, you to join in on this quest and, and join your fellow optimists to find out the clues. It was great. Yeah. A very deep light of the onion. And I, and I like that because it's there if you want it, Right. But going back to what you guys were saying before about sort of something for everyone, you know, especially now as my kids are starting to get older and Tony and Christy and you guys, can, Susanna too, you know, when we go to places like this and obviously we leave our kids home because <clears throat> mommy and daddy are working, um, <laughs> I was very much aware of stuff that was going on at places like the Disney Channel booth. For example, not just because I'm a huge fan of Gravity Falls, yeah. but you knew that was coming. But Jeez, here we go. But I will tell you that one of the biggest lines I saw was not for Mencken and Sherman. It was for the Teen Beach movie people, right? Yeah. So at the top layer of the onion, the kids and the teens and tweens and their 45-year-old dads that want to meet the cast of Gravity Falls, that was something really exciting. And you're talking about a, a very high-energy booth. You get a chance to meet the stars and you can get up on stage and take a picture with them. I mean, there really is something for everyone and, and you can don't tell our kids, but you can actually take your kids to expo because there's something for them to do there as well. We even saw the play areas, right? Those yep. little like giant Lego block yeah. style play areas. Disney really wants to invite the whole family to this. And I, and I really got a sense of it this time. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw there that. Lot, there were a lot of kids in those play areas and things too. I was, I was, really happy because I don't remember that as much two years ago. I know. And they were all bigger than me too. <laughs> but the, the, there really were kids in all levels of the presentations and activities and booths. And they seem to really be enjoying this and seeing, you know, what, why Disney could be something that you love all your life. Not just, you know, when you're little and watching Mickey, uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And even the stuff yeah. outside, right? They had the Phineas and Ferb, the, the Waffleinator and sort of the, the Marvel uh, and Phineas and Ferb thing that was coming up just this past week. So there was interactive stuff like that as well, too. Tony, you were, you were going to say something? Yeah, my kids came on the last expo. We had a whole family vacation before and after the expo. And there were things for them to do, but I, I don't think it was as much as they did this time. They really, even they had the smaller areas, they had play areas, but it wasn't even big production things, just a lot of fun stuff for the kids. Um the outside thing, my kids were at home watching our broadcast and they had to know, they went on the, the uh, D23 Expo app and they ha I had to go see what the Waffleinator was for my kids and send them back photographs of it. And I missed them on this trip because I always miss them, but the first time it was 
uh, this time when I was leaving, I was like, well, there's not that much for them to do. And Disney really upped their game with the kids stuff. And it was a lot of fun. We saw the giant uh, Tinker toys made out of foam and we were playing with them. It was it was really cool stuff. And I saw how you were swooning at the cast of Dog with the Blog, too. So, it, it, you know, <laughs> there's something for all of us there. Yeah, but that whole the whole uh, teen beach movie thing was unbelievable. I was wondering what was going on if they were lining up for an arena presentation or something because it was it was five times what seemed like anything else was. It was unbelievable how they lined up for that. Hey, look, I'm not gonna lie. One of the highlights for me was was the gravity. I was going for my kids, but I'm a. <laughs> You, look, one day you're going to love Gravity Falls as much as I do. And you say, you know what, Lou? You were right. I remember. It's a hat with a tree. It's, it's <laughs> Scooby-Doo for a new a generation. Tree. Alex Hirsch, brilliant. Genius, my friends. He's genius. Anyway, uh, I I, let's, let's go. Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room, right? Which is the Parks and Resorts exhibit. The, the journey into Imagineering, 60 years of, you know, Wed and Walt Disney Imagineering, this for me is the one that you know you walk in and, and is right in, in in front of your face, and far and away I spent the most amount of time here. I was in there no less than four times, and it still was not enough yeah. because it really was that peek behind the curtain into imagining. They make it look like fourteen oh one Flower Street, and when you walk in there, there were all these little sort of cubicles and cubbies and desks. And what I've loved about this pavilion in the past. They again increase in the, this time because it gives you a chance not just to see what Imagineering is doing, right, and how they got there, the history of Imagineering, but what they're doing now, like what their workspaces look like. And you've always had a chance to get one-on-one -on -one to an Imagineer, something you could never do anywhere else. The people that want to be Imagineers who are fascinated with the parks, here's your chance to get in front of somebody whose name you don't know or a Jason Sorrell or whoever it may be and talk to them, and they'll spend time with them. But when you see them in these work environments, they almost took on these characters and personas as though you were really stepping into Flower Street. You were getting a tour of Flower Street. And that's what I loved, right? Everything from the simple look into the past, like the, the Ellen Shaw and, and Ryman paintings and drawings, to the Avatar stuff, and the, the tease for, for Star Wars. Um, seeing how simple things like paint on on a on a uh, a cell gets to paint on a wall in, in a theme park in, in Tokyo the, the technology the research development I, I spent hours there and I wanted to spend more I'd love to sort of go around the horn and get your guys thoughts because we could do a whole show on this alone right yeah. I know Becky you spent way too much time with the Captain America meet and greet that's fine <laughs> Scott Odo's tried to steal the the model for the land pavilion the, the original model I, I get it um, but let's sort of go around you know Christy Tony Becky Susanna Scott your thoughts and impressions on the imagining thing or, or maybe the one thing that really sort of stuck out to you what, what jumped out at me was how incredibly long it must have been for them to develop that pavilion. I, you know, I'm thinking in terms of how do you organize something like that? They've been working on getting that ready since the last expo ended. Um, the, the level of detail in every one of those sections was absolutely unbelievable. And just a shout out for seeing Figment standing there with his little blocks. That made my day. That's I saw that and I didn't need to see anymore. But it was truly just like you know, a Disney geek's little slice of paradise in there. I wish I could have spent more time in there. 
Yeah, Tony, I I liked I liked the balance of everything in there. I like that you kind of saw they had the old models of the land and spaceship Earth. So you kind of saw the past. You saw what they're doing and how they do it with how they paint, how they program the audio animatronics figures. I loved how they throw the little teasers in there with the the uh, Star Wars teaser. It didn't give you too much, but the the Jason Sorrell did a great job of kind of teasing along, got me excited. Um, I love seeing how they do the new tech with the, um, what was the creepy guy there? El Fortuno. El, oh, Scott <laughs> Otis. Fortuno. Scott Otis. Oh, wait, <laughs> like, the other creepy yeah. guys. El Fortuno. <laughs> but I thought it was great. And how they, But they showed you what they've done, what they do, and how they do it, and what they're going to do. So I really like that. I like it was a full package. It really, it was more than just, hey, look what's coming. It was, this is what Imagineering is, and I really appreciated that. And I want to just piggyback on that really quickly. The one thing, too, if you were not there, this is not a stand behind the velvet ropes, go from museum piece to museum piece. You're walking into these offices. They want you to touch and interact with these spaces. It's a very, very hands-on uh, pavilion, and we'll talk about that in terms of things like the Adventureland game and stuff too. So, uh, Becky, Susanna, Scott, yeah, it's it's extremely interactive. And one of the things I found funny was I was walking around, looking, kind of casing it first to see what I, where I wanted to spend time because I knew our time was limited in there. And I actually overheard someone say that those weren't really Imagineers, and I was like, wait, whoa, no, whoa, no, these are these are the people, and you could tell how excited they were to share the story. So when you walked up to the avatar desk, um, Chris and her team there were all excited to tell you about all the things that were brought back from their adventure that they just took on their research trip. And they jumped right into character, right into story, and you could tell that they were having as much fun telling us about that and about the um, the effects that we saw, like um, how things are going to become interactive, like the effects on the lamp. Remember when we mm -hmm. saw the, right. the genie lamp that lit up with, with a name that, that comes up on it and all those neat things, and of course seeing the hatbox ghost? All of those Imagineers were just as excited to show us as we were to see it, and that's what I thought was so impressive. Susanna, what about for you and then Scott? Uh, yeah, I just agree that I could have spent hours and hours in there. It should have been open 24 hours, I think. Um, it was so detailed, and, and like Becky was saying, that these were you know, the real things you were seeing behind the scenes and they could have just done these dry, you know, presentations like here's what we're working on for the future and this technology, but you were right in there seeing, um, the actual projects and the actual working models and, and all sorts of things. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed doing was the little adventure corner there where you could, um, do the little, uh, quests, I guess they mm -hmm. were, right. um, and get the little juju trinkets. Um, I don't know if that's going to be a future uh, little interactive thing in the parks or something, but I thought it was great. And, you know, where Sorcerers is sort of like it's interactive to a point, but it's kind of passive because you're just holding up a card. I think this adventure that they had in there was really um, true interactivity and you had to tell a story and you had to, you know, participate and, and earn your little juju trinkets. And it was just amazing. I don't know. I could go on and on. There was so much to do there. Yeah, and just just very quickly, this sort of adventure trading experience is something that they are very much... It, look, this was a play test for them, right? As opposed to bringing it out into the parks, this is an opportunity for them 
to not only give us an experience, but for them to learn as well, right? They're getting immediate feedback from every aspect of that pavilion, but something like this, where they can play test it right on the show floor, where it's a retail sort of interactive experience where you can, you can sort of purchase these jujus and tell your story and go on these quests and scavenger hunts and share with cast members and share with guests, again, that deep, deep level of interaction. I, I'm going to talk more about this as sort of an overall thing that I took away from, from the expo, but I loved that part of the experience. Again, this was not sort of a typical trade show pavilion. It was something that you can start there, you interact there. You almost felt as though, Susanna, right? You were sort of in a theme park type experience in Adventureland. They pulled a little section of Adventureland and put it there and then sent you out. Right? They sent you out on a quest and then there were people from that walking around too with other jujus that you could trade for stories. Uh, again, really, really like what they did there and I think it is something we'll see in the parks and this is that very, very early iteration of the playtesting that they're doing. Yeah, it was great to be a part of and and I thought it was great that if you had your little Imagineering sticker from when you went in the first time, you could go back in the back entrance if you were doing these quests or something and not have to wait in the huge line to get in. So I thought that was a great thing that they had planned for. You tell me that now. Did you get the, did you get the parrot, Juju? Did you get the parrot? No, we only got uh, the tree and then the skull, and we went to the Trader Sam's and got that one at the end. I think there was, what, was nine or, or ten Juju? How many? Twelve jujus you can started get? started doing it too late and missed out. <laughs> Are they really called jujus? This is what yeah. I want to know. They're really, they're called okay. jujus. Yeah. Just checking. Not like juju bees, like candy. It's, I, a, it's a little juju, yeah. I didn't get to sit there and see them, but I saw all of you like walking around with these things as prized possessions, so that tells me it's going to be a yeah, thing. They had somebody walking around the show floor with a vest full of the parrots, and I said, oh, well, you know, I started engaging her while we were doing the show, and she said, oh, I'll trade one for a story. Give me something to trade and trade me a story. And so I had to make up this, you know, weird story and I was able to earn the juju that way. So Scott, give me your, um, give me your thoughts on the pavilion itself. The pavilion was great. I mean, first off, you know, the exterior that looked just like the, the old, uh, you know, 1401 flower street, which is a beautiful building. And then actually everyone forgot about the, the, the little pre-show that you see when you go in there that they always put together an amazing little pre-show that just gets you completely excited about all the future projects. That's probably about four or five minutes, but a lot of really great stuff. And then when you get in the pavilion, there's all these booths that had so many crazy, uh, amazing things. You know, I, I really love seeing Herb Ryman's original drawing uh, of, you know, of Disneyland, Peter Allen Shaw's, you know, the, the glow-in-the-dark uh, painting of Disneyland. That was amazing. And then just, you know, as you said, seeing those, the, the models of the old concepts of spaceship earth and the land. And they even had what the, the hat box ghost that they had brought, uh, to, for everyone to see. And he was animated. So he would like look at you straight in the eyes and that's kind of creepy. creepy. Super yeah, creepy. and talk to the animators as they're animating the Hatbox yeah. Ghost. Like that's know, the, that, right. that's what I mean. But you know, you're sort of not sort of standing back watching them do it. You're talking to them as they're pro. You're, you're learning if that's what you want to do about it. Right, and, and what, what was really neat about the whole thing was that there were probably maybe about twenty different booths, but they all had different um, elements. Like like some people that were, uh, were into show design, some that were into material design, uh, some that were uh, into computer concepts. It was it was really neat. Um, but then additionally, you know, as as uh, Susanna had mentioned, or someone else had mentioned, the the avatar tease, which really was a tease, that they weren't saying that. 
the the Imagineers that were working on that part, they, they weren't saying, yeah, we're working on this. They they were in character. Like they had actually traveled to Pandora. A friend of mine, you know, Alex Wright, Imagineer, he he had told me, yeah, uh, like yeah, six months ago, we all we all went on a field expedition to Pandora to. And that's they had brought back all this uh, amazing things so that they could get this Avatar exhibit right, and then of course the Orange Harvest with the the Star Wars tease, and then and on top of all that they actually had several of the clues for that uh, for that Optimist game that we had earlier talked about. People were going around in there with their maps. You know, several of the clues needed to be solved within that exhibit, so there really was a lot of interactivity in there. And, it was a lot of fun. And that, for me, is my takeaway, right? Not just about the Imagineering Pavilion, but I think, for me, the expo and what Disney is doing as a whole, right? We've seen the handwriting on the wall in the past when you look at things like Sources of the Magic Kingdom, right? My Magic Plus. It's a more interactive, more personal, deeper, richer experience. No longer is it... You come into a park, you see a show, you sit down, and it is presented to you. It is all about you not just being a part of it and being interactive and it being personal to you, but the guests are helping to create the story as well. That Adventureland story game, El Fortuno, that next generation of what we saw in 2011 with Destini, that little fortune teller, Zoltar's come a long way. Because that audio animatronics figure that's responding to you and the people in the room, you not only get to see it work and are fascinated by it, but right next to it, there's an imaginer explaining to you, this is how it's being done, right? There's lasers, they're scanning your face, they're, they're, they're measuring distances and heights and things like that, and you're getting an understanding of the technology behind it. They're getting the immediate feedback to see what works, what doesn't work, what people are responding to, uh, the My Magic Plus, even things like Disney Infinity, right? It's not just a video game where here's the story, here's the quest you have to go and do. It's creatable, shareable, buildable content that we are now creating. My kids have been playing since I brought it home at 12.01 last night. And the thing that they like most is what's surprising me. They like toy box mode. They like to be in there not playing the game that's the story is being laid out there. They like to create their own environment. That's, the, that's where we are in 2013 and going forward. That's what Disney is very much picking up on, right? You are now going to help create and generate what your experience is going to be like. And I think I got that as an overall feel, not just from this pavilion, but from a lot of the things we saw on the show floor as well. And I like the direction that that's going. And I applaud Imagineering and sort of Disney as a whole for realizing that that's what we as guests want in sort of yeah, a you're, deeper, richer you're experience. No longer, you're no longer um, just listening to the story. You're no, no longer just watching the story. You're actually creating the story and being part of the story in so many aspects of what the company is doing, and that's super exciting. Yeah, and I do, I want to just quickly touch on, and you know, again, the, the I think the big presentations were obviously those that took place in the arenas, the, the, the studios, we didn't get any sort of new groundbreaking announcements. There was some excitement and surprises when people like Angelina Jolie and I just want to call him locally, Tom Hiddleston comes out on stage and they talk about some of the upcoming films, the legend ceremony uh, as well too. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see it, but I know people really enjoyed seeing these legends up on stage. But I think for a lot of people, guys, and you correct me if I'm wrong, the thing that was circled on everybody's um, schedule was not just Gravity Falls, 
because that was first, but it was the Richard Sherman, Alan Menken, once-in-a-lifetime concert that took place on Saturday night. Like, people were talking about, you know, they were lining up for that Saturday during the day because it was that important to them. And I think for a lot of people, like, that was worth the price of admission. So anybody feel free to jump in and give me your thoughts on Sherman and Menken. It was like hearing was blown away. life experience in song, you know, like like listening to everything that you've ever grown up with and just and seeing the men who created it. Um, it was, it, you know, I, I cried. I was I was very excited. And uh, when they sang together at the end, it's a small world. It sort of like brought together like what Disney is all about for me. And um, it was very, very moving. I was glad to have been there with friends because it made it an even even sweeter experience. Yeah, I was blown away by the concert in that I it was great to see Richard Sherman perform again. We got to see him on the cruise, and I love his songs, and I'm a huge fan. But it was my first time to to be there for an Alan Menken performance. And you almost forget, you don't realize just how incredible a contribution he made to Disney music. Um, movies and songs that you knew, songs you forgot, you didn't even realize he wrote. It was it was unbelievable. He came out with a huge stack of papers and said, I got a lot of material to get through. And it it seemed like it was done in a second. All songs that you grew up with and you knew. And it was really like I said that I was thankful to these two guys because it's almost like they wrote the soundtrack to my life and that I'm a huge Disney fan. And these are just songs that I knew every word to. And to sit there and have the gentleman that came stuff that came out of their head that they just brought to this world to have them perform it for me live was it was remarkable. Becky, after uh, after I explained to you who Alan Menken was, what did you think of it? Wow, really? No, you didn't need to explain that because he's got the best name in the entire world. It's just spelled a little differently. <laughs> but what was what was really neat about that concert, of course, is um, is seeing them both together. Because I had seen Richard Sherman separately and had seen Alan Menken um, separately as well. But to see them both together on the same stage, and and like Tony said, a, a soundtrack to your life that really is very true. Because that was how we grew up, listening to all of those wonderful um, tunes and, and hearing again going back to the story, the story set to to music, um, which can really play on emotion and it was even more emotional to have them live right there in front of you. And then, of course, together at the end, it's almost like uh, the, the meeting of, of a couple of different generations that all had um, a lot to do with the storytelling of Disney. Scott and Susanna? Yeah, and uh, each one of them probably went, what, 45 minutes long? But I, you know, I don't think anybody cared because they could have just gone on and on and on. And it each one was just amazing. So I, th- I think it probably did go at like an hour and a half or two hours late, but it it could not have been long enough as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it was just so amazing and inspiring to see someone that had worked with Walt Disney directly and then someone else that had worked with, you know, um, who's that other guy? Sorry. <laughs> Howard Ashman (laughs) for the songs that, you know, the new generation had grown up with. And uh, it was just great to see them together. Um, Originally, I had thought that they were going to be performing together, but they did their own little finale at the end. Um, And I think it was great just hearing even, you know, a little tidbit of the stories behind the songs is always wonderful to listen to. 
Yeah, and during the concert, we saw people, you know, different songs resonated with different people. Just like at the expo as a whole, I think different things resonated with different people. Look, we saw some people who clearly were there for one thing and one thing only, merchandising. Like, they were there. They ran to the Dream Store. They ran to the to the uh, the Consumer Products booth or even to the Collector's Forum or Mickey's at Glendale because merchandise was important to them. But I, I do want to talk about the Collector's Forum because for me, when the first expo was announced, and still to this day, that is one of the things that not just I enjoy because it's where we are, but I like the fact that it it's there, that it's still present at, look, this is the Disney D23 Expo. This is their trade show. And the fact that they allow and invite third-party people to come in to share their goods, their wares, their services, their stories, whatever it may be, and be a part of the expo like everybody else on the show floor really impresses me a lot. And, and I consider it a privilege to be able, it's an expensive privilege, but I consider it a privilege to be there on the floor. And I love the forum because it is where the fans are, right? It is where the fans are. And, and you see that this is sort of where I think the community aspect really comes in, right? You'll stand online and meet other people for your favorite pavilions. But you saw this is where a lot of people were hanging out because there were people selling everything from pins to ride vehicles to artwork and everything in between. And for us, you know, especially all, all of you guys, this is our, was our kind of home base. You know, again, we teamed up with Mouse Event Travel. We had a great big booth this year. And again, use this as a location where we broadcast, God help us and save us, all three days from <laughs> beginning to end. But I had such a blast this year, especially making it, it kind of the home base. And, and one of the things I loved was we continued to, to improve the booth, squishy carpet. You know, I didn't think it was a big deal, but I realized again uh, how important Becky it is. Becky was right. Becky was right. Becky but was right. The thing that, but the thing that we that that we added this year that we did last year was we had a, a friend of ours come in, who is he's an artist. He's an artist, and Tony, you said it. He's an artist whose yeah. medium is balloons. I call him affectionately balloon Bo balloon boy. It, his website is trickybiz.com. John Reed created a twenty foot tall eight-and-a-half-foot-high balloon replica of the Disney dream slash fantasy and elevated it, you know, what is it, 14 feet above our booth? That was one of the highlights for me because you want to um, talk about that visual weenie that drew people over, <laughs> and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was truly a work of art. It, amazing. Absolutely amazing job that, that he and his assistants did on that sculpture. It really was. And, it, and at the end, I really hated to see the <laughs> thing come down because if there was a way to preserve it, I would have because that was completely great. I have to ask you something, Lou, though. When you got your little juju, was, was the story you told them that you blew up every single one of those balloons yourself the week before? No, I made up this fantastical story about how back in the early 50s, Walt and I had gotten together and talked about our initial concepts for what this this Disney D23 Expo was going to be like. <laughs> I knew and, you were older than and me. And unfortunately, anyway. the plans got put on hold like so many things, but <laughs> like no good idea at Imagineering. Nothing ever dies, and they brought it back in 2009. Okay, my story is a little weak, but I got my parrot juju anyway. <laughs> <laughs> going, 
going back to the collector's forum, you're, you're so right. I love the community atmosphere back there. I love seeing all the different artists, all the different collectors, all the different things that you could, if you had a credit card there and you didn't have a limit, you could get yourself in a lot of trouble really, really fast. <laughs> but to also have um, several people did have areas that you could um, sit and relax and talk and meet people and get to know people. And um, while we didn't get to see everything on the floor, um, I didn't even get up to the second floor at all because we were spending so much time in the booth, but that was okay because there were so many great people that came to the booth that you interviewed. Um, a lot of wonderful people that I got to meet for the very first time that, that got out of the box are people who have never been in the box before and now they're going to be in the box because they, they had met some of us. And I, I just think that it's, a, a, like you said, an honor to be part of it. And one of the things that was fun was, look, my part of the expo, that I, and I said this when we were on the air, the thing that I enjoyed most about expo was the people, right? The people that I had a chance to meet, the people that came by the booth, whether they were listeners, new friends, the cosplayers, the imaginers. Because look, one thing about the collector's forum, the people who were walking around there also included the people who you may have seen on stage an hour earlier, because remember, these guys are fans too. Right? And the great dynamic about the booth this year was we were able, thanks to all of you guys, we were literally able to, oh, look, Tony Baxter's walking by, pull him in, sit him on the couch, and we're going to get him on the air. And so we were able to interview people like now Disney legend, Imagineer Tony Baxter, Kevin Rafferty, Jason Sorrell, Brian Cosby, Ridley Pearson, Stacia Martin, Stephen Lawrence, Margaret Carey, Tinkerbell, Bill Rogers, the voice of Disneyland, and his beautiful wife, forgive me, I forget her name, who's the voice of Disney California Adventure, came by. Everybody from the D23 team, Stephen Clark, Jeffrey Epstein, Laura Sanchez, the cosplayers, Kermit the Frog, not the, Kermit. Not the official one, <laughs> but the, you know, the guy who had his Kermit puppet came by and put on a show and it was a sing-along and I just was looking out at all the people who gathered and people watching in the booth. It was such an amazing, organic dynamic that was created there. It was exactly what I hoped it was. And I hope the people who either were at the booth watching or on the floor or who are, or who are watching live at home got that same kind of energy and dynamic that, that I felt. And, and I don't know what you guys sort of give me your thoughts about the forum, the booth, whatever it may be. And, and I also have to give, and I'm saving the best for last, um, my buddy Noah, amazingly talented Disney artist. Once again, his booth was next to ours. This guy had a line all day, every day. But at the end of Expo, he comes over, again, unannounced, completely organic, Starts talking to us, sees what we're doing. Uh, we we asked him to sign these blank vinylations, which are going to auction off for the Dream Team project for the Make Wish Foundation. Next thing you know, he goes, "I'll be right back." He goes, he grabs some pieces of art. He's going to sign them, personalize them, make them unique. We do a live auction right then and there. And Christy, what was the number we raised? About twenty six hundred. Two thousand six hundred and fifty dollars. Right. So two thousand six hundred fifty dollars wow. raised in about what 15, 20 minutes time. Yep. All thanks to him. So if you guys are on. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, the web. Just search Noah Fine Art and give that guy some love because he's a he's a talented guy and he's a good guy as well too. And I and I'm immeasurably grateful to him and everybody who donated and bid and and put it out there to make that happen. So, but yeah. So anybody just sort of jump in and sort of your thoughts about the booth and the interviews and the dynamic and and the fun that we had there. Yeah, I'll I'll start. Um. I, as a person who wasn't tied to the booth and, and wasn't there as much as you all were, you know, going around the collectors forum and seeing all the people selling all the old, all all the old Disney merchandise, or you know, the Carol Wood Pacific, uh, you know, showcasing their wares, 
you actually had a, a very unique product, which was you know a, a basically a live radio show that was going on the entire expo, and that really was unique. And every time we did come over there, there was always somebody very interesting, like a Dave Smith or a Tony Baxter that you were interviewing, and it it was very captivating. And I <laughs> at no point did I want to leave because there was so much good information uh, being done. So, uh, from from an outsider's perspective, I thought it was a, a great booth. Thank you. That's right. We're done. Good night, everybody. <laughs> it was almost like you had your own little mini expo going on. Exactly. So it was a really great, like he said, every time, you know, I walked by, there was always something exciting happening and it made you want to stop and see what was going on. And if you did miss a presentation or a session that you wanted to see, chances were whoever was, you know, running that session might be at your booth at any time. So it was really a treat for everyone um, to be able to walk by and see that kind of um, heavy hitters and entertainment going on there. Nobody has more fun than us. <laughs> A lot I of smoke and mirrors, but nobody has more fun than us. <laughs> the, the, the realization for me was, was again, that reminder that, you know, these wonderful Disney icons who, you know, I look up to so much really are the fans just like us. And, you know, Tony Baxter is is saying, well, I was just looking around at some of the merchandise. And you're like, <laughs> Dave Smith talking about how he would look around and try to fi- find things he needed for the archives. And it's just that, wow, you know, you, we're all just so, you know, enamored with this wonderful Disney message and product. And uh, it was, it made me feel like we were part of something even more special because we're all part of that fandom of, of the Disney community. And getting to talk to them like that one-on-one in yeah. a very small, intimate environment—they're just the regular people, right? Yep. Like, like you said, Tony mm-hmm. Station Mountain was was so excited because she found a record, this little, tiny, little forty-five record. She was ecstatic, and then you see the body of her work, and you talk to you know guys like Tony Baxter, who's you know excited because he sees something he wants to add to his collection. You know, when you're talking to Kevin Rafferty about where he likes to eat, like that's the kind of stuff that that makes it fun. And and I agree with you uh, because these guys are clearly enthusiasts first like us. Yeah, it was when we're there setting up the booth and working and I was you, you would think I'd be more bummed out that I'd missed some of the presentations and we didn't get to do a bunch of stuff that was on the official schedule. But in the end, it was just the real fun was seeing everybody, talking to people, um, to be part of the community there and really get to see and finally meet a bunch of people that you knew from online or that knew us from the show. Um, to At one point when you're in the booth and you're interviewing people and there are Imagineers in our seats, that the folding chairs that we brought <laughs> and set up, and they're sitting there and it was just a free-for-all and everybody's laughing and talking and listening. And Tony Baxter gets up and get his friends from his party he was like, okay, we have to go now because a crowd forms around him instantly. And a couple of his friends were like, uh, we're going to hang out. This is cool. <laughs> and I had to tell Lou about it because she's like just hanging out there. I just want to see what's going to happen next. And she's asking me questions. And it was, it, was, uh, it was incredible. It was an amazing experience to be part of that, the life of it, as opposed to just kind of viewing it. The energy, right? I think the energy yeah. there w- was great. And that, that was created by all of you. Like that was... It was it was nothing that we had nothing scripted, right? Like, you know, like this, nothing is scripted. We just sort of turned on the mic and started to go. So that energy came from all you guys in the booth and from everybody who came by. And, and I'm so incredibly grateful because uh, I didn't just have a, a great personal expo myself, but hopefully the people who were there watching 
live or, or on the box got that sense as well, too. And the feedback I've received so far from people who are watching was that they felt like they were there, and that was the goal. So Yeah. It was great fun, and it's it's a like a flash when you look back at it. You know, we're talking to the box, we're talking to people live. People are contacting you on Facebook. Your friends are texting you, and it's all happening 100 miles an hour. And I kind of right. turned to Christy, and I said, oh, I said, I have a headache. She goes, yeah, it's because it's like 4.30 and nobody's eaten yet. <laughs> because, it's just, because it's just manic. It's just happening. Right. Yeah. And then we're all sitting there at 7 p.m. on Sunday like, what just happened? Like, it couldn't possibly be over so much, but it was like – in some ways, it felt forever. In other ways, it was a flash. It was really remarkable. I, I liked how the word got around that we had a booth cam as well because there were people that were coming just to the booth to, and asked, nothing else, just where's the booth cam? Because I want to wave to my, my friend or my, my family member. And they would sit there and they would text or they would call somebody and they would wave at the booth cam and off they went. So there were so many different levels to the, um, to the booth and, and of course, to have the live radio thing going on at the same time, like you said, it was all about the energy. And, and again, I also want to throw out a cu couple of props to my team as well who aren't represented here. Um, they, of course, kept that energy going as well. And there was a lot of impromptu dancing going on and some other entertainment um, line dancing happening. So, you know, kudos to them for staying on their feet for three days as well. And even, you know, I mentioned before, I learned the term cosplay last expo in 2011. Full force, people were out in, I mean, talk about just yeah. an environment where you can just be yourself and have fun, and that, we'd see a princess walk by, we would see Wreck-It Ralph characters walk by, the people who were on the show with us weren't just Imagineers and, and Disney celebrities, they were just regular people, fans like us, who were sharing their love for, for Disney, and uh, it was a lot of fun to meet people from all walks of life, all ages, all levels of, you know, fan intensity, I mean... There were some princesses there who they were they were princesses like that's you know that was their thing little kids older people the guy the old guy dressed like Grunkle Stan so it, it was a blast um, and I'm glad I'm sure we all were glad to hear and it's you know they confirmed it there for us Stephen Clark Expo is coming back again it's an every other year event it is going to be back again in 2015 it is going to be in Anaheim once again um, I know we're all excited but let's just sort of again. Go around the, the, the horn. Is there anything that you, as much as there was here, is there anything else you'd like to see added, changed, removed, something else you'd like to see represented again, sort of Scott, Susanna, Becky, Tony Christie? I'll tell you what really needs to be added is a fourth day. <laughs> Which is what it was the first year. Yes, the, the first year, 2009, there were four days, and even that wasn't enough time to see it all. We just really need more time to see everything. I mean, it's great to have all these presentations and, you know, they had the with the animation presentation up against the uh, uh, Dave Smith talking about Mary Poppins all up against uh, the Hong Kong Mystic Manor. All three of those were all up against each other. It would be nice to to have more time to be able to see some of these presentations, maybe even if they did have a fourth day, maybe some of them could be, even be repeated. Um that's pretty much what I would like. It's just more time. It, there just really wasn't enough time to see it all. Susanna, what about for you? Um, I guess, yeah, I agree with that. There being more time. Um, I loved the, like I said before, the Imagineering Parks and Resorts presentation. And <clears throat> I wish there was a way to, I don't know, just have that be like a separate thing that's going on the whole time. Because we really didn't get into it until 
I think even the second day, we didn't even go in it the first day at all. So we missed out on being able to do some of the interactive things in there. Um, I think they made great improvements, like we said before, with the lines and things like that, the stage pass. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else, you know, they could add that would entice more people to go because I think it was just really a home run this year. Becky? Wow. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to think of an answer. And, and nothing because, is okay. You know, if you say nothing, that's okay too. You know, the more time thing is good because what, you know what I actually want Disney to do is create a 36-hour day because with all <laughs> all these new things in Infinity and catching up now on Gravity Falls for, for some reason and planning the two, 2015 Expo booth, I need either more time or cloning technology. But I... I, I Personally, I guess because we were um, so much part of the booth, I would have loved to have an opportunity to go shopping. <laughs> I would have loved to have had an opportunity to uh, just see a couple of things that were going on the floor. But, or you know, maybe have the the collectors forum be a little more central, just so that we have an opportunity to, to see more or to dart away faster. Um, other than that, honestly, it, it was such a wonderful experience. I can't really think of a lot that I would change, really. Tony, Christy? Yeah. I'm the same way. I really I don't know aside from maybe a fourth day to give us more time to see things that are going on. I don't know what else I would change. I really enjoyed this event. Um I didn't wait on the lines like I did. There were lines, but I like that we were um, it sound I don't know how to explain it. We were in line informed while in line, so you knew what you're getting into. I enjoy the exhibits. I look forward to just seeing different stuff, see something new. I really like that they changed things up. I was really happy with the event this year. I think I enjoyed it more than the last one. So I was really Maybe pleased. Thor. Maybe Thor, the real Thor. I mean, he, time, me as Thor? No, no? see, the, oh. you never, I didn't get a chance. <laughs> I can't believe nobody really brought talk. that up, but, okay, but let's I, move along. I was going to. You, you passed right Christy, over you have me, something buddy, important to we say. When we were I talking, can... hold on, no, stop. When we were talking about the different um, things that were on the floor, you just conveniently skipped right over me. And I was going to say the makeup, limited makeup stuff, the luggage that was there that was specifically only to D23, Infinity, of course, in the shopping. But, but I was so – it was an awesome surprise to turn the corner and see Party City with all of its costumes and all of its – it's for kids and for adults. And you attempted to dress up as Thor, and I give you props for that. Yes, since you backed out of, of wearing your costume, look, I'm a man of my word. I, I dressed as Thor – um, I told you. I kind of dug All it. All you had I, to do. I felt. I felt. I could tell. I felt. It was. <laughs> he was the cutest little Thor you ever did see. I know. He just needed the blonde wig and the hammer, and there's a no stop in your guy. pocket. Put a little keychain on me and hang We're gonna do that backpack. again with the hammer. We have a lot of good right. ideas for the hammer. Little next, guy. We came up next with a lot year, of stuff. Next year. Next year. In 2015, when you see that Snow White outfit, just just do it. Just well, do it, and I'll we'll do see. it. I promised we'll you then, and I I will do it. I um move on. Christy, go ahead. I know you go ahead. Give me your your. No, it's your okay. <laughs> well, you know what? I think <laughs> I I think the way Disney pulled this all together is sort of the way of theme park experiences. You know, they kind of left us always wanting more and always wanting to come back. Um, and I'd love a fourth day. I'd love a fifth day. I, I want to be able to see everything. But you know, this is kind of that classic. I don't want to leave the parks, and but now I get to start talking about and planning for the future and. Um, I'm, I can't wait to see what they pull out in two more years. And I'm hoping there's more of the interactivity and the ways that we can become part of the story. But I kind of like that I'm left looking forward to a new time so I can see some new stuff as well. That's 
you know, you can't ever do everything in one trip to Disney World and you can't ever see it all at D23 apparently either. <laughs> yeah, for me, I um I didn't get a sense that I wanted more. I mean, I really was impressed. I, I felt like there was more this year in, in terms of both exhibitors and pavilions because like you guys said in addition to the disney pavilions it was party city there was ride makers it was you know the orasm the hp orasma robotics exhibit i mean there was a lot of stuff going on for people to do and see and purchase uh i really sort of walked away with uh, again that sense of the guest steering the ship right our, our guest sort of creating the story, being a part of what we are going to experience. I also got a sense of community and involvement more than I did in past expos. I, I agree with, I don't remember who said it. I, the first expo for me will probably always be the best because we walked in there blind. Nobody knew what to expect and we were blown away by the overall experience from the presentations to the announcements to the surprises to the people on the floor to... You know, what what the box and booth cam, you know, started off being in sort of a, uh, it was a goof that ran for all four days and made people come to the expo because they saw what they were, were missing. That, for me, will always be the best. But I did really enjoy this one more than the last. And I mean that as a testament to the D23 people because they're not just following what their initial mission of this fan club was supposed to be, but they listen and they learn and they improve. And I think that's one of the things that, that Disney does so very well it very much was all about the people i saw as opposed to what i saw so i mean the people in the collectors forum the people who came by the booth the imagineers at the exhibits the people who were running the show all those people are what makes this such an amazing event it's the thing that we are already looking forward to 2015 now and we're six days out from the 2013 one to that point i have to thank all of you guys who are on the roundtable with me, not just for taking the time tonight, but for all of your help in setting up at the booth, all the support, all the friendship. Becky, you and your team, everybody who came by and said hello or just waved hello, everybody who sat there in the box for 30 plus hours and watched, you don't know how important that is. You guys are the ones who really make this all possible, make this so much fun. And as much as we've covered, we've missed a ton in this recap as well, too. So this week, I'm going to have a recap video up on the website. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash WDW Radio. Christy Visaki, the, the blog editor extraordinaire, has put together the self-titled, what do you call it? Expo Palooza Expo Lusa. Expo Lusa. Expo Lusa. There's, there's <laughs> like 13 writers working with me this week. And you so and and it's not just going to be a single expo recap. You've got like five to seven posts a day, like all week long, covering the expo from every angle possible. Yep, it's gonna it's it should really you should really feel like you were there by the end of the week if you follow the our blogs. Right, and you can obviously find the blog over at wdwradio.com. You can also subscribe to it there, get it delivered right to your inbox. Uh, guys, I, I cannot uh, again say thank you enough for making the expo once again uh, such a memorable event uh, to everybody at Disney and D23 and all you guys. Uh, I am grateful and dare I say I'm already looking forward to 
God help us, 2015. (laughs) (laughs) We got some planning to do. There should be, what, an eight-hour phone call in the next two weeks or so about it? Tony, I promise I will bring a wrench and a screwdriver. That's (laughs) it. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right. Tony Caggiano, Christy Visaki, Becky Mankin, Zana Land. I I can't even know quite my first name. Susanna Mitchell and Scott Otis. Guys, thank you so very much uh, for, for making the expo so awesome. And thanks to all of you for listening. You were there with us uh, virtually in spirit. So thank you again. Thank you, guys. That was awesome. Thank you. Mini Thor. I'm like a little Thor. Like a pocket-sized Thor. Again, but we we missed missed the blonde wig. We got to remember the blonde wig next time. (laughs) You're you're so going to make it um, Captain America, aren't you? You're going to refuse unless you're Captain America. We're going to get you in a dress one of these years. <laughs> I was talking to Scott. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or trivia, see how well you pay attention to the details and what you see, or maybe even what you hear, then you can enter to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and pick our winner. So last week, we were thinking about Tomorrowland and even discussing the movie that's in production right now. You heard us talk about the booth at the D23 Expo. And while I was looking into the future, I was thinking back into the past, into Walt Disney World's Tomorrowland, and one of the most unique, somewhat scary, one of my favorite attractions, the extraterrestrial alien encounter. We talked about some of the attractions that occupied that space beforehand, like Flight to the Moon and Mission to Mars, and like many great Walt Disney World and Disneyland attractions, it not just has a great story, but a wonderful pre-show as well. And in the last iteration of the attraction, Tim Curry was the voice of Sir, your simulated intelligence robotics. However, you might not have known that he was not the very first actor to voice the role of a robot from XS Tech in that part of the pre-show. So the question was last week, what actor did Tim Curry replace as the voice of the robot in the Alien Encounter pre-show? And because of D23 Expo, I gave you two weeks to answer and enter so many entries. I think this is probably the one that we had the most entries for, and maybe I'll start doing these trivia questions bi-weekly to give you more time to enter and win. If you like that idea, Email me, tweet me, Facebook me, let me know. Maybe you want me to have these contests every two weeks instead of every other week. And so while many of you in the emails you sent to me admitted that maybe you didn't see or even know this, but the actor that Tim Curry replaced was Phil Hartman from Saturday Night Live fame. He was originally known as Tom 2000, which is short for Technobotic Oratorical Mechanism Series 2000. He demonstrated XS Tech's practically painless teleportation technology He also charred our little friend Skippy and again was eventually replaced by Sir. So once again, thank you and congratulations to the hundreds and hundreds, almost a thousand of you actually entered this week's contest. And again, we randomly selected one winner for all of the audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, a WW Radio luggage tag, a button, and a Walt Disney World trivia book. And this week's winner is Jamie Bernadetto. So Jamie, congratulations. Thanks for entering. Please send me your contact information. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, thanks again for playing, but don't worry, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So as we discussed on this week's show, we had a number of 
uh, guests and celebrities and Imagineers come by the WW Radio booth during the D23 Expo. One of them was Imagineer Kevin Rafferty, who worked on so many attractions, including the Nemo subs in Disneyland, Cars Land at Disney California Adventure, and so many more. But one of those attractions holds the distinction of being the very first that Walt Disney Imagineering created for two Disney parks simultaneously. And that's your question for this week. Tell me, what attraction, and the hint is that Kevin Rafferty worked on it, was the very first that Walt Disney Imagineering created for two Disney parks simultaneously? We'll do the question again as on a weekly basis for now. So you have until Sunday, August 25th at 11.59 p.m. to enter. Again, you're going to play for all the audio tours, a luggage tag, a button, a trivia book, and a surprise that I picked up from D23 Expo. You can email your answers to contest at wdwradio.com. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Once again, thanks to all of you who tuned in over at D23 Expo Live for our coverage of the D23 Expo. In addition to special event coverage like that, don't forget to tune in every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDW Radio Live video broadcast and chat. There you can watch and discuss this week's Walt Disney World news with us live in the chat room. And if you missed the show live, you can catch the audio on iTunes and the video on our YouTube channel. Speaking of videos, be sure and check out my new Disney in a Minute videos, both on the YouTube channel and on the WDWRadio.com website. There you can also find multiple daily blog posts from our team of contributors. You can sign up for a free email newsletter, download the free WDW Radio app, and chat with other Disney fans in our fun, family-friendly, and free discussion forums. Lots more, again, you can find over at WDWRadio.com. You know I love hearing from you, so if you have a question you want answered on the air, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com or call the voicemail, leave a message at 407-900-9391. You can also connect with me on Twitter. I'm at Lou Mangello. And for updates on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash wdwradio. You can like the page there. And for personal updates, you can subscribe to my profile at facebook.com slash Lou Mangello. In addition to events like the D23 Expo, we have more on-the-road events coming. Our e-ticket event, our dinner in the Great Movie Ride, is almost sold out. We are down to the last couple of tickets. Literally, we are in single digits. So if you're interested in coming to our Great Movie Ride private dinner and event on Friday, October 4th, visit the events page over at www.radio.com. There you'll also find out about other events coming up, including our Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World. Our next one is going to be this Saturday, August 24th, at Blizzard Beach, we're going to spend a day at the water park. I have updated information there as to where and when we'll meet. Again, it's open to everybody. Bring the whole family. It would be great to spend the day with you out at Blizzard Beach. Great way to sort of end out the summer. I also want to quickly thank my partners and sponsors. As you know, Mouse Fan Travel is my official and recommended provider because it's who I use. You've heard from Becky. You know her agents give you the best possible prices, all available discounts, all at no additional cost to you. You can find them over at mousefantravel.com. And if you want to get some Disney magic delivered right to your door, Celebrations Magazine, you can subscribe and order back issues over at celebrationspress.com. And finally, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Come by the Facebook page, like it, comment it there, share links with your friends, and please come by, review the show and the app over on iTunes as well. And I once again want to say thank you to all of you, not just for 
following along and listening to the show and watching the broadcasts, but for giving me the opportunity to share my passion for Disney with you each and every day in so many different ways. I am immeasurably grateful for that. And I want you to do the same thing. I want you to live the life that you dream about. And so you need to believe, right? So, and if you're afraid of falling, you're never going to fly. Take a deep breath and take a leap of faith. Never give up and always keep moving forward. Thanks again. I hope you guys have a great week this week. So until next time, see ya. Hey, Lou, this is Michael from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, wanted to say, uh, give you some feedback on the last episode you did with Chuck. That was a really great episode about the uh, things to do on the water at Disney. Um, I grew up on the Gulf Coast in Alabama, and I'm a Navy veteran, so I'm really at home on the water. And I just wanted to say some of my favorite things to do are just to take the transportation on the water, uh, like the boat from the Poly to the uh, Magic Kingdom, or go to the back of Epcot and take the boat and just take it on the loop. You can go to all those different resorts that it goes to uh, and, and even go uh, near Hollywood Studios. So I just really like taking the boat transportation. I think it's a great, great thing to do and a unique thing to do, and I just enjoy being on the water at Disney. Thanks. Hey, Lou. It is Wes Snyder calling in. Um, just listened to your most recent podcast about water activities and Five years ago, last month, my wife and I went on our honeymoon, and we did parasailing at Myrtle Beach. It was amazing. We would love to do it at Disney sometime. We've never done it because she's either been pregnant or we just haven't been able to fit it in the schedule. And I'm still hoping to spend one full year, 365 days at Disney sometime in the future. Um, financing is what I'm working on now, so if you have any generous millionaire listeners who'd like to donate to help a guy and his family get their get their year in. You're very welcome to send them my way. Anyway, great podcast, great newscast, and I'll see ya. Hi, Lou. This is Richie from West Bloom, New Jersey. First of all, I'd like to say that my wife and I had a chuckle when you suggested in one of the great movie ride episodes that there should be a snack stand called Admiral Snack Bars with the tagline, it's a snack. Pure genius. But we'd like to go a step further and suggest that the signature item at that stand be, now envision this, giant fried calamari. Kind of like the Squiddish Admiral Akbar meets Giant Turkey Leg. Kind of goofy, but what do you think? Also, I'd like to, if I may, respond to the question you proposed in this week's episode of Listener Emails regarding obscure movie references in Disney World. Now, I love older Disney live-action movies, uh, ones like Kidnapped, Blackbeard's Ghost, uh, The Happiest Millionaire, The Gnome Mobile, The Fighting Prince of Donegal. I love them. But my favorite obscurish one, if I can pick one, is Darby O'Gill and the Little People. I love that one. I think they should create an overlay and a mountainy type attraction like Big Thunder or the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train that could be rolled out every March for St. Patrick's Day. We would follow Darby into the mountain lair of the Leprechaun King Brian and chase all those little devilish leprechaun guys all over the place. Uh, being Irish, I love the idea. Maybe they could even serve Guinness on tap in the exit gift shop. Well, that's my idea. This was a great topic, and I can't wait to hear the other listeners' ideas. Thanks for listening to me, and I love the show. See ya. Bye. Hey, Lou. This is um, Marcia Lozano or Dennis or Yzma or Countdown Girl. Um, take your pick of names. <laughs> I guess you would like to. Um, we're actually heading out today, which is slightly depressing considering it was a lot of fun. I had a great time at the expo did everything I could, and um, I always wanted to meet you guys and see you, and so that was a dream come true. 
thanks for all that you did at the XO. You both look great. And um, if I do call you next time or like on the voicemail, this will be back in Indiana. Bye. You've got a 